Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and a very warm welcome to another Reddit and Blue Review. My name is Nick Philpot. I'm your host this evening, and we're going to be talking about, well, it's not a game of two halves. It's actually a week of two halves. We're going to be looking back on Tuesday night's de- de- defeating the Carabao Cup away at Man United. And then yesterday, where did that come from, eh? Where did that come from? And uh, Before we get into that and before the guys join us, I just wanted to start the evening by saying... Um, I am in serious awe of everybody that made both of those trips up to Manchester this week. Number one, I think you're either barking mad or you are serious, serious football fans. So congratulations to each and every one of you. Uh, Ian was just saying to us off air, it was not only was it the long journey, but he also, the weather was absolutely atrocious. If you saw the pictures on the screen yesterday with um, Roy Hodgson, I mean, bless his heart, he was struggling with his glasses. It was torrential, and Ian got soaked through. Down to his underpants, I understand. Are any of the other guys going to join me? Nigel, I don't know. Ah, I'm talking about down to his underpants, and this here, here comes SpongeBob himself. Good evening, Ian. How are you doing, mate? Bloody hell, what, what an introduction that is, Nick. Goodness <laughs> me. Very good. Good evening, everyone. Welcome um, Yeah, to another edition of the Red and Blue Review. It's good to be here, isn't it? Well, I've only been about an hour. Literally, back from Manchester. I mean, if you don't want me to share that information with people, don't tell us off there. You you know, it really wasn't for general consumption, but thank you. Uh, And also joining us this evening is Simon Jordan's best friend. Good evening, Tim Richards. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you, sir. How are you? All good, mate. All good. It's a great weekend. Tim, let's get to you. Palace fan, good morning. What's your take on all of this? So, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that don't know, okay, our Tim Richards has now been uh, on Talk Sport with Simon Jordan and uh, Jim White twice in the last couple of months. And I thought uh, the first one, uh, as you know, because we've been playing some of the clips into the show, uh, it, he got what he deserved on the first one. But in full credit to you, Tim, this week I thought you handled yourself eloquently and really made some very valuable points. So, well done, mate. I'm getting quite wound up by it because okay. I'm sick and tired of people like you. <laughs> There's a good lot work. more lighter than what I was going to say, but, you know. Good work. And by the way, and not only did you make some good points, you also mentioned the Red and Blue Review twice, and I'm very proud of you. So well done. Congratulations. Joining us, as always, is our resident these days, our resident co-host is Fergus Tid. Fergus, good evening, mate. How are you? Evening, evening all. Yeah, very well, thank you, Nick. Yeah, off the back of a great result. a bit of a time delay I there, just want, I just, right? just one thing. I just want... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm fine. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, fine. Absolutely. Just, there, was just, yes. yeah. there was just this pregnant pause. I thought, you don't want to turn over to me. What have I done? <laughs> I'm not going to mention your underpants, am I? No, no, no. Well, I was going to say, I I want Ian to stand up just to prove he's not in his underpants at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) So, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are, listening in the world, watching us live, or listening to us back on one of the podcasts that goes out after the show, a very warm welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, as I say, this is a game of two weeks, uh, two two games at Man United. And I'm just looking at all the names that are going through. I'm not going to go through them all, but hello to each and every one of you. And we are very grateful for you uh, watching. Ian, did you go? You didn't go Tuesday night as well, did you? No, I didn't. No, but I felt a little bit guilty because I was in Yorkshire um, and I was about 50 miles away from Old Trafford. 
I had a day out with uh, Mrs. Noble and um, she said she didn't mind going to Old Trafford once to watch Palace, but twice in a week was a bit much. So I watched it on my laptop. My understanding is that the great my understanding is the great Mrs. Noble is as keen on football as the great and wonderful Mrs. Philpot. Okay. Uh my missus will not go back to football after our early dates when we were first caught in uh and I took her away to Stoke City on one cold February night. Uh, so how did Mrs. Noble get on you? So yeah, yeah, she um she was well lasted 90 minutes anyway, 90 plus minutes, and uh yeah, she watched the game of sorts and um yeah, I don't think she'd be rushing back though. Although, you know, some of our regular watchers on the pod, um, the real panel and and Yasmin, um, turned around and said, Well, you've got to come every week now because we've won. Because so, she's so. got she's got hundred percent win win ratio. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. okay. Anyways, where should we kick off, boys? Let's go back a few days before we get on to yesterday um and talk about Tuesday's exit out of the Carabao Cup in a quite a heavily changed uh, lineup and uh, Nigel, we got the lineup for Tuesday night there, mate, please. Uh, and uh, obviously, that's the main talking point of that will be what when we discussed uh, Dean Henderson making his debut, Klein holding Richards, uh, Mitchell, Decore, Riedewald, Schlupp, Raksaki, Ayu, and Mateta. Um, so how, was that four changes he made, Ian? I can't remember on this one. Over to you, mate. Yeah, I mean, when I see this team lineup, I think, uh, I fear for Tarek Mitchell and Czech de Kure because they're regulars. And I suppose Schlup to some extent, and, and you could argue I as well. But those two, I thought, please, nothing happened to de Kure or Mitchell, you know, because we need them for, for the league game. And, of course, it was inevitable that Henderson was going to make his debut um, at Old Trafford of all places. Um, but what a disappointing debut. You know, he had a few you know, touches and things. But to, to pull up the way he did early in the game was very, very disappointing. And and Sam Johnson's called into action, you know, early on when I'm sure he's thinking, well, I'm, I've got an evening sitting on the bench here uh, and, you know, I look forward to playing here on Saturday. But he was called into action early on in the game. And I think the, the, the change in the goalkeeper undid for us a little bit, you know, somehow. Um, I'm not sure how, but, you know, we... We, we looked really as if we, we we weren't that interested in the game from the off. You know, it just looked as if we were on the back foot from moment one. And, you know, United were able to, they had space, they were able to get down the channels and get balls across the box, fizzed across the box. And, you know, 20 minutes into the game and, and Ganacho's got, got the first goal on, on you know. And I think, can't remember who was with him. Was it Klein or someone was close to him? But they weren't close to him, you know. Then they should have done better really, uh, and we shouldn't have let the cross come in. And seven minutes later, Casemiro's made it 2-0. And 2-0, you know, might be might be OK losing to Plymouth 2-0 in the previous round and coming back from that. But when you're 2-0 down at a place like Old Trafford on a wet Tuesday night, not very nice. And um, there's very little way back. Um, you know, a uh, few changes again. And again, I think, what's the point of... Was it 3 nil When we're 3-0 down, when is they coming? I don't What's the point of bringing Eze on? The game's done, you know, and, and Martial makes it 3-0, 55 minutes, I think. And, and, you know, and again, you know, Kleine needs to do better at the fast stick. You know, it's a good ball in. Uh, Casemiro was everywhere for them, as he sort of was yesterday, really. I thought he was their best player yesterday. Um, uh, positives in this game for me, um, a couple of players stood out. I thought Riedeveld had a good game. I thought he did tucked in and did himself no harm or good. I don't think he's ever let us down, really, to be fair. Um, and I thought Mateta, a couple of occasions in the second half, when he was put through, he did well. And he tested Anana a 
couple of times. We made a couple of good saves, to be fair. One of which, uh, uh, young Ozo in a shot wide when he should have done better and hit the target on the rebound. Um, and then Sam Johnston makes a couple of saves towards the end. Saves that you'd expect him to make, but nevertheless, good saves. And the game's over at 3-0. And, you know, we're kissing goodbye to yet another opportunity to win silverware in the Carabao Cup. And um, I wasn't too disappointed, if I'm honest. You know, as I said, I didn't go to the game. Fair play to those that did go. I know uh, Paul Gear and, and Yasmin went to it on Tuesday night as well as yesterday. And I think we had about 1,000 fans up there, 1,200 on Tuesday. Um, Man United made me laugh yesterday because they were going, where were you on Tuesday night? But, you know, most of them wouldn't have been there on Tuesday night either because... You know, they're all, it's a ground full of tourists, really, a lot of the time. And I think the stats there speak for themselves. You know, United clearly uh, on top throughout and deserve to win that game in, in the Carabao Cup. So there we go. And I was delighted to see that they draw Newcastle in the next round. So let's hope they go out. So uh, there we go. That's quite interesting because do you know what? I hadn't even looked at the, the Carabao Cup draw. I have no idea who's playing who because as soon as we go out, I, I, I don't. I'm not interested. Same the FA Cup. We'd be losing in the third round. I couldn't care less. Couldn't care. I less. always like to see who we would have got. I don't know if it works like that. But you know, who would we have got? Newcastle at home is the draw. Man United in Newcastle, and yeah. yet you've got you've got something like um, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Somebody in the chat. I think it's Port Vale v Mansfield is another tie. So one of those two make it through to the quarterfinal. You know, fair play to them. Enjoy their cup run, you know. So Absolutely. I think the Carabao Cup's been quite kind to some smaller teams uh, this year. I think there's another non-Premier League um, or non-Premier League uh, fourth round tie as well. I think Borough are involved in that. But, you know, it's um, it'd be interesting nevertheless. But, you know, now you're looking at that competition and you're thinking probably the winners of Man U and Newcastle um, probably go on and win it. Um, who knows? But it's quite nice to see Chelsea beat... Brighton as well, wasn't it? I quite enjoyed that one. Um, in the same Indeed. Round. Right. I, I want to just come back to a couple of your points that you made, Ian, to, to the other two guys now. OK, I'm talking to you two, really. Um, Ian made reference to the fact that he bought Eze on and then made a couple of other changes and ran the risk of um, injuries or more injuries to the squad that we could have done without. And a classic example, of course, that is that of Dean Henderson. Um our ever-growing list of casualties uh, is getting a little bit concerning, would you not? I mean, there's that list, and I think that list is slightly inaccurate because you've got Dean Henderson, Nathan Ferguson, uh, James Tompkins, Jefferson Lerma, who we are missing. The one that I think is the mistake there, because I don't think Gyro's injured because he featured on Tuesday night and he also featured yesterday. Uh, Nairo Amahada, uh, Michael Elise, Mateus Frank, Franca and Odson and Edward now with his hamstring. Uh, and the other odd one on that is uh, Franca, of course, because we don't even know if he can even kick a football because nobody's ever seen him kick a football. Um, but would you not say, boys, Tim and Ferg, that it was probably a bit of a poor move bringing on people like Eze on Tuesday night when we had such an important fixture against Man United on Saturday? Yeah, I, I think that was the only negative I saw really from Tuesday from what Roy did. Uh, it goes back to the points that I was making in the transfer window where I criticised the board because our squad depth just is not enough. Um, and I had absolutely no issue with Roy changing the team for Tuesday night because we're not going to win the cup. Save the players for the league. You know, look at like Henson, 20 minutes. We've got one proper goalkeeper now. Um, but yeah, I didn't understand the substitutions he made and I would not have brought Izzy on because 
sod's law knowing our luck. Luckily, nothing happened to him, but it could have done. Yeah, I'd, I'd have brought Ozo on much, much earlier. And and to, I know Raksaki had a terrible first half, but I'd have left him on there just for the yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, you know, um, but you, yeah, we, it, it was that. I mean, I couldn't understand bringing on Eze and Hughes. It was, and Mark, yeah, you just think, well, you know, save them for Saturday. It was, it was, it was a risky move, but thankfully, and I think we developed at the end that, I mean, he, 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 I think he had cramp, didn't he? Because it's the first time he's played <laughs> more than sort of 30 minutes in a, in a game. Yeah. So. I think yeah. someone in the chat said damage limitation with those players. Um, and I think that's a fairly valid point because, you know, if you get beat 5-6-0, yeah. what does that do for morale and confidence? You know, is that is that worse than 3-0? It probably is. Um, but I'm not sure it's worth the risk myself. Um, and I agree with you, Ferg. I thought it was pointless taking off Raksaki, give him the minutes, you know, give him a chance. And the other, I think the other positive to come out of Tuesday night was uh, the certainly the first half performance of Chris Richards. Uh, I think we got yeah. something in the making there. Um, it's certainly a, a, an extremely good backup to our, in my opinion, probably the best two centre halves outside the top six that we currently have at the club. Uh, we are, and let's face it, they are outstanding. But I think Chris Richards, you know, you know, he played really well in the first half and. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing him get some more minutes at some point during the season. And if he were to get a, an injury, let's just hope Roy plays him in, instead of something like, I don't know, Tompkins or something like that. And I know he's also injured at the moment. But there you go. Uh, thank you for that. Um, before we move on, boys, um, I'm in a bit of a celebratory mood. OK, so before we come on to the Man United victory yesterday, um, I think it's worth dedicating two minutes of our show, which is a Crystal Palace podcast, and celebrating the fact that, number one, Millwall lost yesterday, but number two, more importantly, a certain club down on the South Coast had an interesting afternoon yesterday. Anybody want to eulogise on the you know, the bubble burst, the Tim, the bubbles bursting down on the South Coast? Well, I, I have to say, I don't know if he's actually watching tonight, but um, my friend James from New Zealand, who's a Brighton fan, is, uh, is really really yeah, he's over in the UK uh, for unfortunate reasons, but he got a ticket and went to the um, their European game. Uh, and he buzzed me yesterday after our United victory. And he, he made a very valid point. He said, what's hurting them is A, the players they've lost. They haven't been replaced and all of a sudden playing two games in a week. And I watched the, the interview of the Brighton manager after the Villa game and he made the very same point. He said, we're not used to playing two games in a week. Our squad isn't deep enough. And it's like, tough, sh there you go. You know, so um, I shed a little tear and then laughed yeah. a lot. Yeah, OK. Well, I actually went on to one of their, uh, the joint Palace Brighton banter Facebook pages yesterday. And just all I, just, all I wrote was uh, playing two games a week isn't for some clubs. And just left it like that. As all I did as I went, over the can, sat back and waited, and of course, off it went. Okay, you can imagine the banter that actually followed from that. Anyway, so I just thought we would just touch on that. I was so, I was talking to a Brighton fan today, Nick, in the pub, and um, he uh, they were saying that it's the swapping of the goalkeepers. So Steele was in goal yesterday, and if right. he hadn't been in goal, if they'd kept their number one keeper, then it wouldn't have been six one. But 
I mean, Fergal and I are both, both live in Sussex and, um, you know, I've got quite a few friends on social media who, who post about Brighton all the time. So a couple of them went on yesterday and they were posting about other stuff. So I actually said on a couple of them, I said, uh, no football post today then, lads. And uh, <laughs> no football post, no. And it, I just left it at that. And because uh, it was the early kickoff, so we were following it. Um, you know, when, you, when teams are playing the same time as you, you don't follow it when you're in the ground. Um, as closely, but because it's the early kickoff, we were following it, so we knew they got beat heavily before we kicked off, which was rather nice. And as I've got Watkins in my fantasy team, well, happy days, you know, very happy days yesterday. Uh, that hall was very, very welcome indeed. So like, so, like I said, Mill lost, Brighton got spanked, Palace won. If Carlsberg did um, the perfect Saturday, that was it. I mean, and to the point where Roy Hodgson is now unbeaten in his last five visits to Old Trafford in the Premier League. Uh, he first managed his first. He's the first manager in the Premier League history to go five consecutive games unbeaten away at Man United. Uh, not all of them are for Palace, as one of them, as you're about to see, uh, was at, well in his short time at Watford. But yeah, he, he wasn't aware of it. I think until uh, his pre-match uh, press conference and somebody said do you know that you you potentially if you if you remain unbeaten on you could be the first manager in history and he didn't he, he genuinely didn't know and you could just see a little wry smile on his his face and he was dead dead chuffed uh, uh and of course it was mentioned in the post-match interview yesterday afternoon and he said yeah i was aware of it i was made aware of it the other day uh and he said but it's not about me it's about the team so and that's him all over, and that's. That, I felt so sorry for him on the touchline. You say he was like a drowned rat, wasn't he? He was like a drowned rat. Anyway, let's move on to the lineup for yesterday's wonderful victory up at Old Trafford. Um, starting in goal, of course, is Sam Johnson. Is it coming up on screen? There it is. Uh, Joel Ward captaining again, of course. Uh, Anderson Gehi, what a centre partnership that is. We did say. When, we, when they first got together, my God, that's going to be something special. We're going to touch on that in a minute, boys. Uh, Mitchell DeCorey, Hughes, who I thought had a good game again yesterday. Are you as a schlup and Mateta? Now, I think the interesting thing was that the uh, the bench, okay, the bench was, and my, my notes are so faded, I can, I can barely read it, but it was Matthews, Klein, Richards, Redevald and Holding. But underneath, you've got Ozo, Raksaki, Ebiobi, and Ola Adamoma. Um, very, very poor bench, and that just shows you just how stick thin we really are. Um, as luck would have it, we didn't actually need the, the bench yesterday. Um, it was uh, we got away with what we got away with, but okay, right? Who, who's going to take Tim? You're going to take the game, and you over to you, mate. Yeah, so I'll apologize to everyone. Uh, the professionals aren't up to doing it tonight, so um, the amateur's going to have a go. So I'm going to do it a little bit differently. And um, so for me, watching on my completely legal stream that I was watching it on, as the players are walking out, it, it just it just struck me as mission impossible. Um, Saturday, September the 30th, 3 p.m., a very wet and miserable old Trafford. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to survive the next 90 minutes without embarrassing yourself. <laughs> um, so it's a bit differently, but the first thing that struck me was the amazing away support. As soon as the players came out, I don't know if it was the speakers or, or microphones or whatever, but considering how many people were there, all I could really hear were the red and blue guys. 
you know, it was amazing. I've got, I say it every week, but the support was, was superb. Anyway, so the game started. Um, and right from the first whistle, really, what struck me was how together and committed everyone in the team from 1 to 11 from the very first minute. One of my biggest issues this season is it seems to take us so long to get into the games. It could be the second half before we start playing. But but yesterday, it struck me that Roy had a way of playing, a plan. The team got it. And right from the word go, we were at it. Um, yeah, you can look at the, at the stats and possession was ridiculous one way to the other. But it's no good if you can't do anything with it. Um, like, I'm not going to break it down minute by minute because there were so many good things and so many things that were happening all through the game. The back four, when was the last time we've seen a back four performance as a unit be so um, positive and basically throwing themselves in? Uh, yeah, stop. Okay, great point. Really valuable points in. Okay, boys, and everybody out in Facebook, land uh, we had a quick chat before we came on air okay and i made a point to the guys and i'd like somebody to correct me where i'm wrong if i'm wrong that's certainly the center-back partnership okay and tim you're absolutely right to highlight them because they did a magnificent job again yesterday i thought they worked tirelessly and in fairness the players in front of them name me a better center-back partnership outside the current top six okay Name me a better centre-back partnership because, frankly, I don't think there is one. In fact, you could go further than that. Even inside the top six, name me a, a pair that is performing to the level that uh, those two are at the moment. Sorry, mate, I interrupted you. Uh, over to you, and we'll, cap, we'll pick that up at the end. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fine. Um, I just want to take a break and sort of talk about the ref at this stage because it's interesting because, again, we were talking before the show and we were all talking about the ref and thought we had a good game. And I did see a comment go through where yesterday they thought the referee was awful. The one thing I would say is he booked Casemiro on 10 minutes for a yellow card. Now, what I would say is Casemiro was lucky to stay on the pitch because there were at least four, I think Ferg said four or five other tackles where even the commentators were saying that should be a yellow card. He should now be off the pitch. That was the only, I would say, criticism I had of the ref. Um, going, I mean, what I would say as well, though, is your Ad, um, is Amrabat, I mean, your Amrabat, he committed not one, not two, but three deliberate handballs. He got a yellow card for the, for the second one. They missed the first one. And again, that penalty, he's handed out towards the ball, nothing given. Apart from that, I think the ref had a good game. We criticised the ref. Um, and the other thing I think he did well was on the penalty shouts that United had. Now, if a certain Darren England had been ref in the game, they would have got two penalties. But he didn't. Fair play to him. Back to the game. Like I said, when was the last time we saw a performance as a back four unit that we saw yesterday? From not allowing Stars United to do anything. Anderson and Gay throwing themselves to block, making great tackles at the right time, being observant picking up the runners, are brilliant. But not only that, it's not panicking. When they get the ball, being constructive and being positive and bringing the ball out, it was a joy to watch. Um, and you've got Ward. Now, Ward's had a lot of stick this, this season so far for some in different performances. But how well did he play um, one of the supposed best plays in England yesterday? 
really and truly Rashford did did very little. And again, on the other side, you've got Mitchell. Again, he's had some flack this year for some not so good performances. But United right back, uh, you know, did nothing. And a great again, Mitchell's. You can see where he is progressing. His foresight to be in the position to clear the ball off the line or nearly the line from a certain goal. Brilliant play. Um, so yeah, so that was that. Um, going forward, uh, but then again, they need help from the midfield. And I've got to say, Hughes for me, man of the match yesterday. Um, him and Decorey, look at how well they played. Not only in defence, but also going forward. Clever, intelligent play. Getting in the right place, but again, not panicking. When they're breaking up a play, not just hoofing the ball, looking for a good ball out. It was great to see. It was a brilliant performance. And then, of course, you've got Ayu. I've given him a lot of stick in the past, and a lot of other people have, but I've also given him credit. And yesterday, how many times did he get us out of trouble? You know, he got the ball getting a free kick. Where did our goal come, come from? From a foul on Ayu. Um, and again, Schlupp, he's had a lot of stick. But again, he played the role perfectly yesterday. It was so good to see. Um, Mateta, I've given him a lot of stick, but I think, like we said, Tuesday he did some good stuff. But yesterday I thought was his best performance in an overall performance in the Palace shirt. Yes, he didn't have any chances, but look how much he bothered the defence for, for United. He harried them. He didn't give them time on the ball. And he did some nice little touches. He laid on in the second half, the shot for, for Hughes. I thought he was superb yesterday. And Eze, what, what can you say about Eze? The thing that I want to say about Eze, for the first time in a long time I can remember, watching yesterday, when Eze had the ball, United froze. They didn't know how to play him. The guy was practically unplayable yesterday. And if he, does, if he just played that ball to Schlupp through in the second half a little bit harder, Schlupp would have been through and, he would have, and I, I think he would have scored. And then we had the goal. What can I say? Again, from a free kick from IE being brought down, Eze's cross, not probably the best free kick, but in the, in the conditions, it flicked across. And what was it? It was, it was almost as good as, as Nick Thorpe's commentating skills. It was a perfect half volley. It's straight <laughs> into the the goal. Now, where Nick and I disagree is if you look at the um, footage from behind the goal, Neither Gahey or Ayu are in line of sight between Anderson and the keeper. If you look at the shot from behind the goal, the keeper can see that ball the entire time. So the referee and VAR got it right. According to the letter of the law, it's not they're not offside. Okay, so can I can I come back at that? Okay, yeah. leave that leave, Nigel, leave that picture on screen, please. Ladies and gentlemen, out in Facebook land, you do you agree with uh, Tim or do you agree with what I'm about to say? Draw a mental line between the goalkeeper, Mark Gehe, and Anderson's foot. There is a direct line between the three, okay? And in my mind, um, whilst Tim's right about the new letter of the law, if he's not interfering with play and he's not blocking the sight of uh, the goalkeeper, then he's not offside. But in my mind, that's actually offside because he is. Draw the line between the three players, uh, Anderson's right foot, Gehe's position and the goalkeeper he's in the goalkeeper's line of sight in my opinion it's only my opinion do you do you, do you agree with Tim ladies and gentlemen or do you agree with me in the chat please because I'm reading every comment that goes through keep going Tim well before can I just come in then just yeah I, I, I'm with Tim on this one big time you know that that's not offside that's 
you know, that's not offside. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, they're not interfering with play. And um, the, the keeper was never getting to that ball anyway, um, frankly. And if that's given against us, if that's ruled out, we are livid, absolutely spitting feathers. And thankfully, the referee didn't see it that way either. He saw it, the fact it was a good goal. And it was a good goal. Very good goal. Yeah, yeah Nick, I'm, I'm with Tim as well. I, I think if that had been along the ground, and, and, possibly. But the fact that he bent it in the top corner... You know, it, it went above, well, the Man United defenders, both our players, and above the keeper as well. So there's no way the keeper would have saved well, that. Uh, Rob Cranfield says, I need to go to Specsavers, and he's probably right. But listen, let's not take it away from what a wonderful strike that was. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm talking about the off, potential offside, but the top and bottom bit is what a strike. What a strike. That was a fat. I mean, it was unstoppable, wasn't it? Sorry, Tim, we, we digress, mate. Yeah, so, I mean, so I won't keep you too much on yet. Um, during the second half, the game very much in the same in the same vein, United huffing and puffing, but not actually doing anything. But for me, the most pleasing thing about yesterday was it wasn't... A, you look at the stats, you have the stats up, and you think we got pummeled. We didn't. We handled them really well. Um, our keeper, Sam, didn't make that many more saves than the United keeper. And we didn't just defend. We were intelligent. We defended when we needed to. But then when we could, we broke. And we should have scored more. Gay, he's header in the first half. He should have done better with that. And he was unlucky with his shot. He was on target. It was a good save. So just, just to finish off, the highlight for me, though, has to be when Maguire came on and they put the four minutes up. And I thought he was going to cry. He spat his dummy out, his bottom lip quivered, and he put six fingers up. Now, I realise as for him, that means we're paying a top three because he can't count. But that, for me, was brilliant. And then just to finish off, Shearer says it much more eloquently than I would. I watched my actions today and I couldn't believe we weren't last and we got more than 30 seconds. But Alan Shearer summed it up. Both of them were full of praise for Palace. And he says, quite simply... Palace had a game plan and all the players played it perfectly, completely nullifying United, stopping them from making any real pro um, progress. That's Crystal Palace with an understrength team against a top, uh, a top United team with a lot of players back from injury at Old Trafford. So, thank you. Tim, Tim I'm not sure I agree with you on Man of the Match. I think you said a very good game. But um, I'm going to say what Simon Jordan says, Tim. I'm not sure that's fair um, because <laughs> you can't you can't not give Anders the man of the match yesterday, can you? Because he scored the winning goal in a, in a close game of football. Yeah, that's was absolutely yeah. brilliant at the back. He marshaled the back line along with Gahey. Um, and did you notice the Gahey header that was um, that went wide? The first what I would call the first big chance of the game. Who crossed the ball for him? Yeah, true. Anderson. What's yep. he doing on the left wing anyway? He was everywhere. He was absolutely brilliant. So I've got to Anderson. admit, on the on the Palace website, on the Palace website yesterday, I voted for Hughes, man of the match. Did only you? because he really yeah, only because he he did all the ugly stuff. And the fact exactly. that Mitchell had great a game, a, a great game, was I think because he had Hughesy on that left side in front of him. And he, he cleared up so much of what potentially always gets through to Mitchell and then he gets found out, or he gets caught out. He he, he did, it, it's all the unseen stuff. It's all the ugly stuff. So for me, Hughesy, I think, 
had a great game. But I don't disagree, Anderson. There was there was three or four players you could have picked yesterday. Probably. It was it was a Tim. It was a great game. And can I yeah. just say it wasn't our back four, it was our back five. Johnson in goal as well. Yeah. A, a fantastic True. game. Okay. But I just want to talk about Hughes because I mean so the guys hardly the, the guys hardly played, but he's come in. I I know it's early doors and you know people might laugh, but if he stays with us and he keeps I could see him as a new Jimmy Mack because he does like Ferg says, he does all the little stuff, the nasty stuff that you want to get you to play like that. And I think considering how little he's played, to come in and play at ninety minutes like that and play like he did. I think he could be a great servant for the club going forward. Good stuff. Boys, I want to talk to you in a minute. I want to pick up on something that Tim mentioned in that. But before before I do, just some of the comments in the chat. Um, people that there's not one person that's agreed with me. So here's be, me being very magnanimous, magnanimous in defeat here. Okay. Uh, Miko saying he agrees with Tim. Um, Paul Holden, just no Nick. Leon says, uh, I agree with Tim. Um, Lee Lockwood said, goal, you saw it all the way, couldn't reach it, therefore it was a goal. Teresa Baker of this parish says, for once I agree with Tim. Um, so as you can see, it was absolutely unanimous that I got it wrong and you guys got it right. So well done to that. Right, I want to talk about the Amrabat handball boys. Um, <laughs> okay, Ian, you were in the ground yesterday. Uh, was it for you a handball? What are you talking about the last one, the one at the end? when he? Yeah. Yeah, well, we couldn't see it. It was up the other end, but... Um, what you've got to do is look at the reaction of the players. And and I think it was Riedeval was right by. He was screaming for a penalty. Um, but then he, he sort of stopped. And this was on 90 minutes when we're 1-0 up. And they broke quite quickly from that incident um, down the other end of the pitch. Um, and, had, and had another half chance. Or it might even be the one that was cleared off the line. Do you remember that one right at the end that was... Yeah, it was it was cleared off the line. It looped in, didn't it, from their right? And cool, we just held our collective breath in the away end, um, and we're just so relieved to see it go, uh, well, not go in the net. So yeah, I think you've got to play to the whistle, obviously, and and sort of really just stopped and appealed. So that it, it could well have been handball, um, but not given. And as Tim's already said, I thought Kavanagh, the referee, actually had quite a good game. So I'm I'm not going to bleat about that at all. I think they've been. Others this season that were far more uh, penalty appeal than that one. Ferg, your yeah, opinion I mean, on that, and then on to referees, please, mate. Yeah, well, it was there was three there was three potential penalties, wasn't there? The one on Gee, definitely not. The one that hit Ward's hand, he had his back to the ball. He didn't see it coming over. Definitely not a pen. The Arabat one, if they're talking about arms in an unnatural position out of all three of them. He was definitely in an unnatural position. Um, he actually controlled the ball with his hand. Um, so for me, the Arabat one probably was the, the more likely to be given. But Man United at home, you know, um, it's very unlikely that we would have got that. Um, yeah, I agree with with you guys though. I think the ref had a, a really good game yesterday. All things considered, you wanted to make a point. You wanted to make a point. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, so and and people in the people that are watching in the chat have probably maybe seen this today that um, the offside goal for Liverpool yesterday um, that was was given by VAR, Darren England. Um, I mean, you could see it with the the human eye. He was clearly onside. 
how how he can make a decision like that was just beyond me. And and what annoys me is that up until that point, we were all saying that all penalties and handballs and stuff, they're subjective. But the offside rule is black and white. You draw a line, they're onside, they're offside. It just goes to show that, that VAR doesn't work that way. Darren England and his assistant... I mean, it was just a it was just a diabolical decision. It just goes to show just how bad he is on the back of the decision he made the week before for us against Aston Villa. I know they didn't make too much of a fuss about ours because it's little old Palace, although match of the day agreed that it it wasn't a penalty. But you know, the furore that's all around yesterday's decision because it's Liverpool. Um you know, I'm, I'm glad it's been highlighted. I'm glad he's been removed from officiating any games. I think it was today and one tomorrow, wasn't it? Um, but the guy should just be demoted to the championship. You know, he's just not good enough. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know if um, Nigel's going to put it up, but um, and, and people may or may not have seen this. It came out a little while ago, but this is Mark Halsey, just about the PGMOL and just how corrupt it is. Um, and this is an ex-referee talking about, you know, potentially every single Premier League ref in the future being in front of a court one day because of some of the decisions that have been made. And we, I mean, I, th- I think deep down we've always known that there's a top six um, bias. You know, there's it's, big clubs will always get it. The one last season, the penalty for Liverpool against us. You know, there's some horrendous decisions. And, and you never understand why they're given. But when you read that, it kind of starts to fall into place. You'd like to think that that isn't the case. But I think VAR for me is just, it's highlighting more and more. It's making it more transparent just how biased some of these referees are. Um, and it's it's just a bit frustrating and something needs to be done about it. But. Well, the, th- the thing that came to my mind when I Tim, I am coming. I'm going to concede to you in a second. But the, the one that, I, that sticks in my throat more than anything else was the Harland kick in the head. Who was that on? Was that on Anderson? Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to yeah. me, that was. Yeah. You, know, you, you you mentioned about the top six bias. Okay. Now, to me, that it couldn't be any clearer. Again, you just used the phrase "little Crystal Palace." Yeah, if that had been on in any other game apart from a, a top six game, it was a blatant kick in the head. Um, and you know, studs up, kick in the head, straight red card. But because it is Haaland and Man City, it wasn't given. Tim, carry on, mate. Yeah, so, I can't remember if it, was, if it was match of the day or if it was another video I saw, but they actually said what happened with England and that yesterday, apparently, VAR saw and said it's not offside, but somehow Darren England got it wrong in his communication to the referee said it was offside. So it's blatant. I mean, VAR, when they decided it was not offside, but somehow Darren England got it wrong and communicated to the ref that, yes, it was offside. Yeah, just happened to get it wrong. Yeah. Ian, you wanted to make a point? Yeah, I was just going to say the Harlem one, I don't think he was even booked for it, was he? Um up at City that time, and you know, at least it was a yellow card, if, if not a red. Um, but someone else has put in the chat the Jota penalty at Sellers when Liverpool yeah. got that third goal yeah. towards the end. He ran into the post or he ran into the player. How he got that as a penalty was just well, 
even to this day, I still don't understand it. So, you know, we, we have had the, the rough end of decisions. Um, but it couldn't have happened to a nicer team yesterday with Liverpool, could it really? You know, I've got no sympathy whatsoever because it's about time they had something go against them. See, so. You've opened the door. You've opened the door. OK, I've got to walk through. OK, everybody in the world, if they've been watching for this podcast for any time, any length of time, will know exactly my thoughts on anything that comes out of that side of Merseyside. Uh, and, to, and, and you're quite right, Ian. It couldn't have happened to a better club. Could have, uh, yeah, actually, that's not quite true. It could have happened to Brighton, but yeah. um, and, and the other, I can't move on from the Brighton thing without mentioning. Did any of you see the own goal for Brighton yesterday? It was probably one of the most comical goals yeah. I've ever seen. And if you want to laugh, if you want to cheer yourself up on a dreary Monday morning, just go and Google. Uh, I can't even. I can't even. is his name. Go and Google his own goal because it will make your Monday, folks. If you're listening to this on the podcast, I promise you, it'll make your Monday. Anyway, we move on. I'm um, really looking forward to his minus two points coming off my bench for my FPL team. Minus two. Well, I was going to say he he got, he got taken off at half time, didn't he? I know so, he did. Yeah. Uh, you know, anyone who's got him in a dream team, you need to swap him out I now. I don't I think he'll be playing. No, I, I didn't well. play him, but he's got to come off. He came off at Botman. I couldn't believe it. If any of you got any Brighton players in your dream team, give your head a wobble, okay? Hey, <laughs> Nigel, can you please bring me up? Uh, I, want to talk, I want to talk, boys, about the future because we've just done, just taken care of a fixture yesterday that on paper should have been very difficult. Uh, the Man United away game should have been very difficult and it proved quite lucrative, as we all know. I just want to, for those of you who aren't too close to the upcoming fixtures, I just want to uh, draw your attention to a couple on there. Yes, we've got a dodgy trip away at Newcastle, and that will be. Yes, we've got a, a dodgy home game against Tottenham on the 27th of October. But uh, everybody in Facebook land, have a look at that. So uh, from the top, uh, home of the Forest before the international break next Saturday at half past five. Then Burnley away, winnable. Everton away, sorry, Everton at home, and they are banging trouble anyway, as we all knew they would be. And Luton, who you could argue is uh, actually found a little bit of form. Okay, but yeah, it, it's definitely winnable. Of course, it is. I'd like your thoughts on those six games, please, out in Facebook land. How many points? And Paul Holden's already come back with eight, saying Rob's come back with sixteen already. What do you think? our points tally would be for that, okay? In fact, Nigel, put that back because I'm going to ask the boys as well. Tim, I'm going to come to you first and Nigel's going to make a note of these. Um, out of those fixtures that you got, six fixtures, what's our points tally? Ten. Interesting. So, you, and don't forget, we are now currently on 11 points in ninth position in the Premier League. And so that'll give us 21 going into the Christmas season and... I think that would be a better. look at these points coming through. Tim Davis saying 10 to 14. Steve saying 14. Steve Jupp saying 14. Facebook user saying 10 points. Paul saying 10 points. 18 points. Lots of response in there. Leon saying 13 points. Guys, Yaz, good evening, Yaz. 12 points. Mark Whitaker, 15 points. Teresa Baker, I think she's laughing at something, 18 points. Uh, and Mark Callaghan saying 12 points. Ian Noble, your thoughts? Lucky for some, 13 I'd go for. I think there'll be four wins and a draw in there somewhere and um, might lose one of them. So. Mr. Tid. I'm going to go 
11. I'm going to go three wins, two draws, and a loss. I think I think the pass away is going to be a tricky. Well, we won't because Nigel's going to be there, and um, you know we we drew a result we, at St James's. We drew nil nil, didn't we? Twice up there last season. So there's yeah. no reason why we can't. But they're they're a, they're a different proposition this season. Um, as Monty just said, evening Monty. I hope you're well, mate. I know who you are. Uh, Rangers have just sat their manager as the breaking news live as we speak in the last ten minutes. Um, not that it affects us in any way. Yeah, that's. I say that, and I've got. Uh, I've got my own thoughts on that, and I and I think somewhere between ten and twelve points is eminently doable out of those fixtures. I mean, and that will give us a huge cushion. Ian, you made the point uh, pre-show that we've got a difficult September, uh, a difficult December. I can't remember what the fixtures are off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, following. Um, let me take my glasses off. I can see better. Um, yeah, so. December sees West Ham away, Bournemouth at home. Okay, so those two look all right. Liverpool at home, City away, Brighton at home, Chelsea away, Brentford at home. So it's not awful, awful, but yeah, you've got Liverpool and City in there. Um, and the Brighton fixture is always a tough one. It's going to be tough. But, you know, um, I'm, I'm encouraged by the start. I'm encouraged by what's coming up in these next six games. And yeah, there's no reason at all why we can't sort of consolidate, you know, this place in the top half of the division, um, pushing on towards eighth, seventh, you know, dreaming of a European tour. There's, there's no reason why that can't happen. And I think the players will be telling themselves that and Roy will be telling them that because, you know, you don't go to places like Old Trafford and win and, and not be thinking like that, I think. And we'll have Felice, Fansa, Lerma. We'll have all those players back. Yeah, and Edward as well. Yeah, well. I mean, you know, all right, Mateta did all right, um, but Edward's a better player, I think, and he's been scoring goals. Okay. You know, let's not lose sight of that at all. You know, he's he's really started the season very, very well. Um, and yeah, Elise will be like a brand new player when he comes back, when he hopefully um, halfway through the season, maybe. I also noticed it's um, in, uh, I've seen it reporting in a couple of places in the press today that apparently, I don't know who these guys are, I don't know anything about them, I don't even know what clubs they are. But apparently, in the background, there is already work going on for succession management, uh, succession planning for Roy Hodgson. And I think, if I'm brutally honest with you, yeah, they should have done this this time last year, early, early, early doors. As soon as they got rid of Vieira, um, it, succession planning should have been happening at that point. In my mind, you don't sack a manager without a replacement being lined up and ready to go. Uh, likewise, Roy was only. Yeah, Roy was supposed to be going last year and did go and then got called back again. I think it's the right move to start uh, succession planning now, don't you, United? Yeah, absolutely. And and I can't remember the guy's name, but he's Portuguese manager we've been linked with, One. somebody we went for before um, Patrick Vieira and didn't get him. Um, someone yeah. in the chat will tell us what he's called. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's supposed to be really good. From Seca. You say is so. Fon is, is that the guy? That's him, isn't it? From Seca. Oh, Fonseca and the Ipswich manager are the two we're looking at. Colin, you, you got that absolutely bang on. Well done, mate. Thank you for that. So I hadn't written that down. I just wanted to touch base on it. The, the last talking point I've got this evening, boys, and okay, and I know we we know that we've got some serious talent in our squad, and because yeah, absolutely no negatives from me tonight whatsoever. I'd, I'd like your opinion, please, on. We do realise that the centre-back partnership 
Decore in front of them, Eze, Elise, um, to, to name just five, okay? Take those five players individually. What sorts of value would you place on those a total value do you place on those players? Let, let's assume, let's assume that Eze has signed an extension to his contract because you know, we know that they're talking to him at the moment. We know that Elise has, but we know that's only uh, a make way in readiness for him to go probably in the close season. Okay, um, Ferg, I'm going to come to you first, okay, and I'd like your opinion, individual valuations, please, of those five players I've just named and, and, and obviously the collective figure. Um, okay, Eze and Elise, I wouldn't take any anything less than eighty million each. Yeah, um, I think yeah each. Yeah, that's uh, that's the starting point. Um, Decore seventy. Um, who else was there, Nick? Sorry, who else did you uh, say? Guy and Anderson, is it? Yeah. Uh, Guy, well. If uh, Maguire's worth 80, then Guy's worth 100 any day <laughs> of the week. And I don't, to be honest with you, I don't think Anderson's too far behind him, but I think Anderson's a little bit older, isn't he? So let's say, yeah. let's go 80. Let's go 80 for Anderson. International. I make you, you right on all but Anderson. Um, Anderson is longer in the tooth. He's 27. Um, and I don't think he's at 80 mark. I would, in my mind, I think he's probably around the 45 mark. Okay. But... Okay, I know what that totaled. Okay, I've got it written down what it totaled. Ian, your thoughts on the same five, please? Yeah, I've, I think we, I mean, I was just watching the chat come through, people putting comments on Yasmin said 500 million. No, yes, it's too much. Um, I would go 300 million, an average of 60 mil for those five players. You know, I agree. I think Elise and Eze are worth a bit more than that. And I think probably Anderson's worth less than that. So I think collectively, Three hundred million pounds for those five players is probably about ballpark right, um, without being too greedy, um, and the kind of money that they would command, and the kind of money that other teams would be prepared to pay. Importantly, you know, because we could put a value on a player, but unless someone's going to prepare to pay it, then, then it's not worth anything. So three hundred mil is my answer. Thank you. Ian's gone three hundred. Ferg went four hundred and ten. Okay, which he did because I totaled it up as we were going along. Tim, your thoughts, mate? I'd go along with, with Ian, but Elise, I would value slightly less, purely from the point of, if we're looking at close season, he's going to miss probably half the season before he's back up to full strength again. He's that much younger, and I don't think he has done as much and consistently as Eze, so I would go slightly less on Elise. Anderson, for some reason... I think he would be a bigger loss to us than Gehi if we if we lost either of them. But I don't think he would get the figure that Gehi would get if he was sold. So I'm round about the same line that that, that Ian, but a bit less release. I'd say. Okay, I think it's an element of a premium for England internationals. Uh, you know, I, I do think that's the case. Yeah, you, know, you look at your Harry Maguire as an example there. Um, you know, the fact that Mark Gay, he now plays for England, he's been named in every squad um, recently. And, and as a two now, I think just pushes their price up if you play for England. My thought process as well. Mm, yeah. And their ages make a hell of a difference as well. My thought process is actually sitting between Ferg and Ian. My, my, my price valuation on that lot there 
and this is what I wanted to get to was is about 350 million. Um, and hang on, so I'm going, to, I'm going to concede you in a sec. About 350 million. You know, people sit out there saying 500 million. I think the most important factor here is a we need to be celebrating the fact that we got this whenever we had quality as Ian rightly says, internationals within our squad. Okay, I think it's just, you know, cast your mind back not so long ago when you got the Lucas of the world and that's all, God bless him and all the rest of it. But now look what we've got. We've got Decoris, Lerma, uh, I know we weren't valuing him, but that centre-back partnership, Eze, Elise, we are spoiled. For those of you who are concerned about, you know, all those on Facebook and mainly on Twitter calling for the board to be sacked, the board to be this. I'm the biggest critic, critic don't forget, of uh, Dougie Freeman. But you need to be celebrating what we have here in the in the world of fantastic players playing for our football club. Make no mistake, in my opinion, is we will lose probably three of those players in the next summer. And I really do. These guys, let's, you know, Let's not be too selfish. Let's enjoy them and let's embrace them now, okay? Because next summer, okay, these guys are going to be wanting to play international football and Champions League football. And would you actually deny them the opportunity? Because I certainly wouldn't. Tim? Yeah, I mean, this this kind of rank or, or is the, one of the reasons I phoned up to talk sport during the week. Um, and the question about progression and Palace not progressing was, was brought up. And this is the thing that concerns me. It's great that we've got these players. And yes, Nick, you're right. It's the nature of football. At some point, we're going to lose them. My concern is, is one thing losing them and getting a fair price for them. But are we going to be able to attract replacements? And more than that, are the owners, is the board going to allow the manager or Dougie Friedman to go out there and use that money to strengthen the team? Or are they going to siphon that money to pay off themselves or, or whatever? That's my concern about as and when we lose these players. Well, I think the, I hate to say this, but we need to look south to see the correct working model at the moment. And, you know, Brighton are continually selling, holding out for 100 million for their players uh, and, and regularly getting it. Okay, regularly getting 100 mil for these players. Who who was that clown that went to Chelsea? And, um, oh, somebody Casado. out there, Casado. I mean, if they if they're getting 100 million for Casado, what is Mark Geehy worth? I mean, you know, go on, go on, Ferg. No, I was just going to say, like I said last week, we're we're a couple of years behind Brighton in the the academy yeah. and the scouting. So yeah. I have no doubt that in two years' time, you know, we'll be in a similar position. Another name I just want to throw in there that has the potential of being a uh, 60 to 80 million pound is Fransa. I know we haven't seen him play yet, but, you know, give him give him another 12 months in the, in the team and there might be a Man City or a Man United coming after him for 70, 80 million. So, you know, it's looking Very good. Much. We've got two, two, two England goalkeepers. You know, so um, I know we spent 20 million on one, but if we, I'm sure we could claw that money back um, if if we were to sell him. But you know, we're in a we're in a decent position. Tarek Mitchell as well. You know, yeah. he's a uh, yeah, international. Um, we've got we've got some decent players, and and we're not a selling team. So and and I'm hoping that Brighton will find out the hard way this season that 
you know, they've gone into Europe, they've sold three or four of their best players, they've got money in the bank, apparently. Um, but they you know, if they're going to pick that- up results like they did on Saturday every week, then good luck to them. <laughs> but that's 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 the misnomer with Brighton. Everyone keeps comparing us to Brighton. The only reason Brighton are in the position they're in is because their owner was more than happy to take on over debt of over four hundred million pounds to finance Brighton the players. That's the only reason Brighton are Brighton in the position they're in. The moment he has financial or whatever and he needs the money back, they're not going to going to replace those players. So you you, you can't compare, compare us. To Brighton, we don't have owners that have that kind of funds. Ian, you've been spending too much time with Simon Jordan, Tim, haven't you? You know, that's that's his line. You know that, that they're uh, they're in debt and uh, they're only successful because of the bank rolling at Tony Bloom. Um, so, uh, but I don't, yeah, I did, I'm joking, but I, dis, I don't disagree with you, mate. Um, to, to, to be fair to Simon, though, he did say. He said, I'd rather be a Palace supporter than a Brighton one. Yeah. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, they asked him where, he said, because Brighton are going to be down there in a few years' time. And, Palace so. will still be and let's not forget, of course, where Tony Bloom made his money. Uh, we haven't got somebody fronting up the gambling industry on our board. So all of those that you're calling for, the, the board to change, the board to sell, the board to do this and the board to do that, Give your head a wobble, people. Celebrate the fact that we have these people in our squad now. Okay, so um, we, we move into the international break after the uh, next fixture, which is at home to Forest next weekend. Um, before we go, boys, um, and out in Facebook land, your uh, your predictions, please, because they haven't been playing that that uh, well recently, Forest. I'd like to know your predictions out in the chat, and I am reading every kind that goes through. Uh, I'm going to come to you first. Tim Richards, your prediction for that game, please. Uh, a massive 2 0. A massive 2 0. A massive 2 0. Fergus Tid. 2 1. <laughs> Alex. 2 1. Yeah, one, 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 Definitely go 2-0. I think we'll win. I think uh, it's the kind of game we've got to really target to win, you know, a bit like Fulham last week, a bit unlucky not to win that game. But, um, you know, you, you can't really go to Old Trafford, win there, and then not win your home game the following week against Forest. Really important we build on that and get the victory next Saturday tea time for sure. There's some pessimism in the chat. Simon Philpott saying 2-2. Paul McManara saying 2-2. Colin Squire saying 2-0. John Tom- JT, how you doing, mate? Uh, 2-0. 3-1 says Mark. Uh, Graham Kitchen says 2-0. Al Yaz says 2-1. James says 2-0. Lee Lockwood says 2-1. Claire Davis, I know you were on there somewhere. Uh, Steve Jupp says 2-1 as well. So, you know, I think I think it'll be 2-1 as well, actually. Uh, I'll, I'll go with 2-1. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to leave you on one. Go on, Tim. Make your point. And now I'm gonna... one quick thing. Yeah, one quick thing. The only change I'd make is I'll put Richards at the back with Gahey and play Anderson up front. <laughs> yeah, fan of goal scoring, and that's why you're not managing Crystal Palace Football Club, <laughs> and that's why you're more of a regular on talk sport than you are on here. Okay, <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to leave you with a positive thought. Okay, I think the funniest video I saw yesterday was coming from um, who did they play? Who did that lot play? Villa, coming from the whole end, and it was from the whole end, and you can see the side. 
side road of outside Villa Park uh, with what it, whatever it was. I, normally with Brighton fans, about 40 minutes, but I think it was about 80 minutes gone. Obviously, they're getting spanked at this stage. And the funniest thing that I saw was the whole of the end pointing down to that gap in the stands, where you, the corner of the stands, saying, you've seen the villa, now fuck off home, you've seen what? the villa. And it was funny. We, we were singing that to United yesterday as well. I that heard it. I saw it. I saw it. You uh, see uh, the palace. Emanating from the away end yesterday. And again, it was the same. I saw, a, I saw a, an aerial photograph of Old Trafford on 90 minutes and the amount of people leaving the ground. You know, we're still five minutes to play or four or five minutes still to play. It was unbelievable. And, and of course, yeah. As, you, as you've already said, it was very, very wet. It was that fine rain. Yeah, that's it. That's the picture. Yeah, nice one, uh, Nige. So there you go. I think that's on 80-something minutes. Can't really quite see that. 83 minutes is that. Plays even earlier than I thought. And that is outside of Old Trafford. And that end is the... Um, that's That corner bit is the away end. Um so they're all they're all United fans from the other side. So yeah, it's, it's quite funny, really. And yeah. everybody out wherever you're listening to this pod, especially if you're southeast base and you're Croydon or around the anywhere around the southeast, you know that when you go to work tomorrow morning, you're gonna to be with a Man United fan. Okay. Yeah. You're gonna be with a Man United fan. You know, because you know you couldn't get a train back from uh, Manchester last night because they were all on it nice and early, as he has just alluded. So, so when you go to work tomorrow, okay, when you sit and you sit next to your colleague who's who would normally sit be sitting there with his red and white scarf on, okay, laugh and laugh and laugh and enjoy every single minute. I hope you found this this podcast positive because I'm I'm in a positive mood. Uh, boys, thank you for your contributions this evening. I can't do it without you every week, and you know that. If you are out in Facebook land or where, if you're listening to this on the podcast, I hope you've enjoyed the positive positivity this week. On behalf of myself, Nick Philpott, and this magnificent team, and of course, Tim, uh, Simon Jordan's best friend as well. Okay, I wish you well. Have a great, safe week. We'll talk to you next weekend. Take care, everybody. Good night. No, take care. Good night. Good night. Thank you.